in the kingdom, Lord, that we're so richly blessed with, Lord, and he's one of them. As Adam was here a couple of weeks ago, and just, Lord, thank you. We thank you, Lord, truly thank you, Lord, for men that will give of themselves and share that which you put on their heart. And I pray, Lord, today again, that we would receive richly as Jeff shares. In Jesus' mighty name we ask, amen. 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 Uh, yeah. It's hard to follow Adam <laughs> and then the gathering. And so I don't feel intimidated at all. I'm very happy. And um, reset. I've used this now to try and help me with time, but it actually doesn't work. <laughs> Just looks impressive that I start it and it runs along and then I keep apologizing that I've gone so long. I, so before we start, sorry, guys. I just, I'm sorry. But uh, I do try. But thank you, Tony, very much for inviting me. It's a bit different from last time I was here. The curtains and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the last time I came, uh, Brooklyn joined us. You remember? Yeah, that was a surprise for everybody. So... Um, I want to speak tonight about being devoted to the apostles' teaching. And um, devoted is a very strong word. It means, you know, devoted. Um, but I've got some, <laughs> stop it, I've got some definitions that I want to, the, the, the Josh Jen um, uh, scripture we always go to when we speak about what is Joshua generation as a church is always Acts 2.42, yeah? And uh, the gentleman there will tell you, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It's very important to notice one thing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So we devoted to the apostles because we love them. We love Andrew and we love, uh, uh, what's his name, Ryan, who was there last night. And we love Brad and we love Jonathan. But they devoted themselves to their teaching. And I want to explain to you why it's important that we devote ourselves to apostolic teaching. I'm not apostolic. Um, I'm just, I don't know what I am, actually. I just travel around and do my best. And some people say it was great, and others don't say anything. And I go home and cry in my pretzels and thank God for, you know, the fact that I'm alive and that he's with me. Um, so, but I want, to, I want to try and show you something tonight that will, will change your understanding of why we need to be devoted to the apostolic teaching. Devoted means this, being devoted, um, that you have to get over your self-centeredness. Um, during COVID, um, I was asked to do some of those um, uh, devotions, Saturday morning devotions. And in one of them, I made this remark. I said, somebody once came to me and said, will you pray for me to please stop swearing? And I said, no. And they said, why? I said, just stop it. <laughs> and uh, Russell picked up with it and said, there's a new technique that's been introduced to counseling now from Jeff. It just, if you go to him, he'll just say, just stop it. And they sent me this funny video of some American guy and whatever. But get over it. Get over your self-centeredness. This is not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. And if we have the idea that this is all about me and all, no, it's about God. And you change, being devoted means you change your thinking about what you're devoted to. The world is devoted to itself. And yeah, these guys are devoted to the apostles' teaching. Get, get over your self-centeredness and your selfishness and place your concern on another person or whatever it is that you love. And the person is Jesus. We, we get devoted to Jesus, and Jesus' word tells us that we should devote ourselves to the teaching that the apostles bring us. And I'll explain to you what I mean by that. We need to get devoted to Jesus. Being devoted means, it says they devoted themselves. Nobody went to them and said, listen, you better get devoted, sister. Because if you don't get devoted, you're fired. Okay? You spelt my name wrong, I'll forgive you. She spelled me Geoff. 
Where do you get Geoff from? <laughs> Geoffrey. My parents were kind. They just put a J. Did something for you. They devoted themselves. Nobody coerced them. Nobody shoved them. Nobody said you must be devoted. Nobody said you've got to be devoted. Nobody pushed them. They devoted themselves, and they devoted themselves because of what happened in Acts chapter 2 in the first four verses. They, were, they met the Holy Spirit, and he changed their understanding. And they devoted themselves because they saw the value of the apostles teaching stuff that was going to change their lives. So we can't make you get devoted to it. You've got to say, God, will you give me a longing and a passion? Holy Spirit, will you come and just fill me and help me to see? Because half the time as Christians, we are a bit blind. We don't see the full picture. So you ask God to give you more of the picture. And he downloads more of himself into you and you get it. And you realize this is going to be important for my well-being in the life of this church. And so that's how they got devoted. They devoted themselves. It will, if you don't do that, if you don't let, get moved by the Spirit to be devoted, then what's going to happen is it's going to become a legalistic religious ritual. And then it's hard work. Then it's hard work. Then we call you and say, we're going to have a gathering. And you go, oh, Cliff, another one. Last time when I couldn't get a parking, there were so many people. I had to work in the kids. I missed the meeting. I'm just saying. <laughs> but if I'm devoted to the apostles' teaching out of the love for Jesus, I want to be there. I don't have to cajole you to get there. If it becomes legalistic and religious, shoot it. It's horrible. It's puffy, that stuff. And it drags you down. And you tick boxes Went to the gathering, went to the conference, went to this. What did you learn? Not a lot, but I went. No, it's got to be a passion. And I can't ignite the passion, but the Holy Spirit does. Comes and puts life in you. Jesus said he's going to give us life. And life in all its fullness, abundance. We should be the happiest people on the planet as Christians. And often the church looks like they've been sucking lemons. They belong to, I call them the LSS, the Lemon Sucking Society. You remember that old, you probably don't, but there was an old Sunday school song. We used to sing, joy, 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 with joy. Ma. There was no joy in anybody. But we sang the song because that was the song we sang. No, Jesus brings us life. I had life, but I didn't have life. I was dead. Have you ever spoken to a dead person? I have. I've spoken to dead person. They, they say nothing. They just lie there because they're dead. And Jesus speaks to dead people and they don't say anything. But Jesus has compassion. And he says, I'm going to make you alive. I'm going to put life in you. And he speaks and the life comes into my spirit and I get born again. And I come alive to the reality of God. And then he speaks like, wait, this is different. This is new. I want more of that because this is so pure and beautiful and wonderful and it's going to make my life a joy. That's being born again. I was born once. I was a baby once. I was a small little guy once. Once. But now I'm not. I'm grown up. But sometime on the journey, I got born again. And God gave me life. And suddenly... The life of God came to me. Everything God does in the church, he gives a pattern for or a model for. He called Uncle Moses, not you, brother, but, you know, your great, 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 great uncle, Moses, called him up on the mountain. And he gave him a pattern. And this is what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 9. It says this. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Takes Moses up the mountain, says to Moses, I'm going to give you a pattern. Go to the next verse, verse 40. See that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. And the next one, set up the tabernacle according to the plan. God showed Moses what he wanted. It was actually a tent, fancy tent. And he said to Moses, but it had to be according to the measurements 
and according to how God wanted it. I said God wanted like this. You make it according to the plan. David, King David, wanted to build the temple after that. Yeah, he's so bad. He wanted to build the temple. But God said, no, you won't build it. Your son will build it. And David gave his son Solomon a download of what God wanted for him to build the temple according to it. This is what it says in uh, 1 Chronicles 28. Then David gave his son Solomon the plans, blah, blah, blah. He, verse 12, he gave him the plans of all that the Spirit had put in his mind for the courts of the temple of the Lord and all the surrounding ones. David got a download from God. This is what my temple must look like. And go to the next verse. All this David said I have in writing from the hand of the Lord upon me. And he gave me understanding in all the details of the plan. God gave David a plan. God gave Moses a plan. God gave David a plan. That was that God was going to live in a tent and then in a building. And then, don't get afraid. Suddenly, there was the day of Pentecost. And the power of the Spirit fell. And God gave the church a new blueprint, a new plan. He said, you know what? I'm not going to live in tents and buildings anymore. Come on, say amen. He doesn't live here. When we leave, he goes with us. He doesn't stay here. He wants to live here anyway. I'm sorry. That's nice. But but you know what I mean? He said, I'm going to live in you. I'm going to live in you. I'm going to make you people, the people, my people, the temple where I will come and reside. I will come and dwell. And what was the plan? Acts 2.42. He gave us, he gave them an idea. He said, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, number one. They devoted themselves to prayer, number two. Do you preach about that this morning, Dimitri? Are they praying now? Glory. Devote yourselves to the breaking of bread and to the fellowship. I said this morning, the same preach in Greenpoint, I said, I think we sometimes make too light of breaking of bread. It's one, it's one of two ordinances God gave us. Remember me. And sometimes the breaking of bread is there. We have our meeting and it's over there. No, it should be central, I think. I'm just saying. I'm just saying we should make the whole meeting about breaking bread. All the worship should be about the cross, about Jesus. The preach should be about Jesus and the cross. We drink and eat together and remember. And we leave grateful. That's the plan God gave. So we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. And the, the New Testament church is, is, first of all, it's going to be, it's, 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 called, it's called many things, Turn the page. I'm sorry I'm not a computer guy because I do this, then I get the wrong thing, and then it disappears, and I think, no, I'll just write. I like to write it. No, I'm old and old-fashioned. It's built on the foundation. Every good building has a foundation. The temple had to have a foundation. The tabernacle, not so much because it was portable. We've got to have a foundation. The church has got to have a foundation. What's the foundation? It tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, 19 and 20. Two, the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Both gifts given by God to the church for, for Acts 4.12, oh, Ephesians 4.12, here we are. Yeah, that's right, the equipping of the saints. But that's the foundation. The foundation is not a pastor. What do you mean? I run the church. No, but you're not the foundation. I'm not the foundation. The teacher? Nah, not him either. The evangelist? Nah. It's the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the apostles and the prophets, and Adam would do it better than me, go together when they travel. I'll tell you later on why pastors don't like uh, prophets. We call the body. Why we call the body? Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 5, it could be on the board. We call the body because the body's a living thing. I'm alive. You can see that. I'm alive. I'm not dead. I'm alive. I might be old, but I'm alive. And you know what the amazing thing is? My body functions. It works. My heart ticks. My lungs breathe. My liver works. My arms work. Sometimes my head works. My eyes can see, my ears can hear, I can talk. Sometimes I spit a bit, I never spit intentionally. But it works because it's living. 
It's a living thing. So it's a body. It tells us a body. It's the church is an organism. It's not an organization. It's an organism. It's living. It's an alive thing. It's about people. It's about involvement. It's about harmony. It's about variety. Because we serve a God who is so creative. Everything is possible in the church. I lived through this through the years of 93, 4, 5. Did you? You were alive. It was wild. And lots of churches said, it's demonic. And the devil saved people, healed people, delivered people of himself. Don't be daft. That's not the devil. It was just creative. And there was amazing things happening. We planted a church in that time, my late wife and I. It was amazing. We called a bride. We called a bride. I'm, gonna, I'm part of the bride. Hello. And the bridegroom. We're going to be a bride together. You know, we're going to walk down the aisle together. Hallelujah. And, and the bridegroom is preparing us. What's the bridegroom? What's a bride? What's it speak of? Life. Life. Love. Hope. It speaks of people. It's living. It's purity. It's holiness. The bride. That's the church. That's the New Testament church. God speaks life into us. He is preparing even Michael. And I forgot to welcome Michael. Michael's been shadowing me this weekend. So it's fine for you to say, sister. <laughs> no, it's been wonderful. No. And I commended him. I, sa I said to him, I said, I, I want to meet his mom. Because she's done an amazing job. I'm not flattering him. This is a wonderful young man. Ladies, if you're looking. He's a good, good guy. Oh, you're, you're organized. You, no, I'm talking about you. No, you're organized. No, I'm serious. And he's been, you've been a joy to have. He's been wonderful. He's been in my home. We've shared, we've laughed, we've prayed, we've read, we broke TVs, we've done all sorts of things. <laughs> Came home to watch the rugby, switched on. And you know, I'm so good with electronics, so we didn't watch. He's called a bride. Being set apart. We called a family. Well, that the bride, it's a love relationship. I said this morning, when I, when I used to do weddings, my wife would say, oh, didn't you love the dress? I can't remember what the dress was like. I remember it was white. Mo most times. <laughs> no, she said it was off the shoulder. I don't remember. But you stood in front of it. And I, you know, I didn't. What did you look at? I said, I watched the bridegroom. Because we stand like this. And then the music plays, we're facing him, and we turn around, and then their faces go, oh, really? She's done this for me? I am the luckiest man on the planet. And he's just crying, oh, God, you think you give me a bride? That's what Jesus is preparing this way. She prepared herself. She prepared herself for that day. And we are being prepared for that day. It's living. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's a love affair. We call it a family. Ephesians 2.19. Families have differences. But families sort out differences. My favorite expression at the moment is we must be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. I had to, I'll talk about it now because my dear mother-in-law is in heaven and she can't answer back. <laughs> she used to come visit us, I told Michael. Every year in this time of the year she'd come to Cape Town and she'd come and visit us, and she'd watch Wimbledon. But she was sometimes quite grumpy, like old people can be, you know. And um, it affected the family, the four children, and it just, just, you kind of knew the elephant in the room, but we were too scared to talk about it, because, you know, it's, 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 the, it's my mom-in-law, and I want to be nice. So I kept the peace, and kept it and then eventually I said no I'm going to be a peacemaker so I went to her I said look we need to talk I chatted I said mom we love you very much we love it that you come here the kids love it when you're here but this is my house putting the grumps on me and my family doesn't make me happy if you're going to come you must remember that things are going to happen that don't happen the way you would like them to happen because it's my house we want you here but you've got to fit in with us. We can't fit in with you to make you happy all the time. She was mad with me. But we brought peace. And we were peace. I was a peacemaker. I addressed the issue and I made peace. 
That's what families do. That's what God wants to do with us. When God comes to make peace, or you go to him, let him speak. Let him do what he wants to do. Peacekeepers just sweep all the nonsense under the mat until you trip over it and you realize I've got to sort it out now. And sometimes it's too late. Peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Well, they will. They will what? Inherit the earth. The peacemakers. Make peace. Address the issues. Speak the truth in love, Paul said to the Ephesians. Speaking the truth in love. Building each other up. That's what we did. We made peace. We, we, we're, we're a family. We're called a building. Not this building. This building's got bricks. All the bricks are the same size, you see. It's easy to build with bricks. When you build with stones, if you've built part, then a stone's got to fit here and it's too big. What happens? You've got to shape it. Clunk, clunk, clunk. Aina, 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 aina. These living stones. We're being molded and shaped to fit into the building that God's building because he's building this beautiful thing called the church. He's building it. He's going to raise it up. He's building it. One, page, one, chap, one Peter 2 verse 5, just put that up for me. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices. That's us. God is so committed to building his church the right way. That's why we want to be obedient to Acts 2.42. Because if we don't, if we're not, that's why we listen to the apostles teaching us. How many times does Andrew use the word drift? And how many times does Andrew say, does this make sense? I've learned lots of, lots of young <laughs> Um, Joshua generation guys are now saying this makes sense. I say, is that okay? I don't. I haven't got there yet. I haven't been in long enough. But we learn what other people say. He speaks about drift. You know what drift is? I was trying to explain to Michael, not brilliantly. He's clever, but he didn't get it really. I said, I rotate the tires of my car every eight thousand kilometers. And the front go to the back, and the back go to the front because the front wheel drive. And it saves me money in the long run because the tires last longer. Amazing, eh? But then I also do, I align the tires, the front ones. And they get it onto a machine, and they do the thing. And then it runs straight. If it's slightly off center, the tires wear out. If I'm slightly off center with what God wants for my life, it wears me out. It wears me out. So I've got to continually go to God and just get in alignment. Because I drift. I shift my position. I shift my thinking. On the Zambezi River with the Victoria Falls, I was there once. And an old guy was explaining to me, they fish above the falls. When the, when the river's running, they fish. And they drift. They drift. And they drift. But there's a place that they've marked with two poles on either side of the river with big, whatever they are, yellow. And when the boat gets there, they start the engines and get out of there. Because he said, if we go beyond that point, the pull of the river for the falls is too strong for the boat. So there's, he said, you've got to watch it because you're drifting, you're fishing, you, you've lost in what you're doing. And then the boat, then suddenly, oi, guys, 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 start up, start up, start up. And that's what happens in our Christian life. We drift and we don't take notice. We don't pay attention to where we've drifted to. We need the apostles' teaching to help us. Otherwise, we can't become what God has not intended for his church. <laughs> there are other models in the world today, and they say they're churches. And they've only become that because they haven't built on the foundation of the apostle and the prophet. And what happens is they don't have apostolic input into their lives, so they become teaching centers. And the teaching centers where you go, good word, oh, solid, pure, no, uh, uh, no nothing wrong, just good, solid teaching. But it's not like a living thing. Because you're expected to go and listen. It's like a lecture hall. You listen to this man preach this word. 
all theologically correct. As James Yenner said once to us in the congregation, he said, it's, it's like a savanna. It's dry, but you can drink it. You know, it's, there's nothing wrong with it, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything for you. It's there. It's just, it's, it's a lecture hall. The, the words expounded, there's little spontaneity, very little family feel, very little body ministry. We, we believe in ministry. People came and brought words. People brought tongues this morning. That's what we believe in. The congregation is like an audience. You go and you sit, get the word. 90% of people don't absorb it. They, they like thread it through their eyeballs, you know, and then they go home. That's what happens when you don't have apostles bringing the drift back. Because if we leave the church to the pastors, and I'm one, we want to just gather our people. Come on, come on. And we never look out and come on, we just keep our people and we're all nice. And No, we don't want that. The other thing that happens is pastors get um, a bit too big for their boots and think that they like God. And so they build corporations, we call them. Glory, hallelujah. And he's the man. He becomes the man of God. Don't use that expression. I'm a man of God, and every man in the place is a man of God. And you woman of God, you woman. There's no special man. There's no man of God. Don't use that. That's not in Jesus' vocabulary. He's the man of God. Not, not any man. They build corporations, and they build these beautiful big places, and, and it's all black. And they put all the lighting and it all looks good. And everybody walks on the platform and there's smoke machines and strobe lights and choirs and there's music and it's amazing. And it's a show. We sit and watch the show. And it lasts just an hour and they take your money. Moses, they take your money, bro. Nobody has a chance to give wisdom. Nobody's a child. And there's all sorts of involvement. You do course after course after course. After so many courses, you have so many little degrees, you look like a thermometer. Just things that you've done and you've applied for. And you've done. But there's no body life. There's no, there's no connection with the people. My kids, one of my kids went to one of those churches. And the, the, their daughter was going to be dedicated. There was 20 couples on the stage, and the band was playing, and the, the, the mains were flowing, glory to God, the right clothes, you know, and muscles and whatever they were. And they said, and my daughter's, my grandchild's name is Bailey, and this is what he said, and we've got Bailey. And he didn't know where Bailey was. <laughs> you know what he said? He said, oh, I found it. we love you. I thought, you lie. You don't even know them. That's what the corporation does. And God does not want that for his church. No. No. There's no body ministry. There's no life. That's why Andrew is not Apostle Andrew. He's not Teacher Adam. He's Adam, for goodness sake. We've got a motor mechanic in our church. I said, motor, motor mechanic Mike? No, he says, no, just call me Mike. That's what they do. That's what their title. But people want titles. And if we don't have apostolic input... That's where it goes to. And it grips the flesh. It grips us and we think, oh, glory, hallelujah. And we begin to speak like them. God help us. Or it becomes a theater. And they're theaters. They've been going for years. And there's these guys in front, dressed up in robes, like mothers, and we call them father. And they reenact all the sacraments. It's all very religious and special. Where's that in the Bible? Maybe once there was a, a, a reason for it. But it's not built on any foundation. I went to one, I went to a funeral in one of them. What's the thing they swing, Adam? The smoke. What's it called? Is it incense? Whatever it was, it, it gives smoke. It's supposed to smell nice. It's not terrible. It made me feel sick. I thought, I can't come back here. And it was a funeral, so I had to stay. And, and, then, and, then, and then the thing went out. I said to the guy next to me, we were in trouble. He said, why? I said, Jesus has left the building. 
That's how bizarre it is. That's what the church, it's so irrelevant. It's so irrelevant. But they're all over because they haven't got apostolic understanding and leadership. And they've drifted. And they get run by constitutions. And they so, they've got so many deacons, they're deacon-possessed. And the, pa- the pastor, he can't do anything because people vote. The people vote. For what? Want to move the piano? One old man said, we're not shifting that piano. I've been in this church 30 years. I'm a pillar in this church. I went to him. I said, that's your problem, sir. He said, what's, your pro- what's the problem? I said, you're a pillar. You haven't moved in 30 years. <laughs> Learn to move. Learn to flow with what God. That, that's what happens. And then you get the social, the, the social church where you gather. And they drink tea and coffee, and they love each other, and it's so nice, and they, st- they stand in front of bulldozers and feed people, and they never talk about Jesus. That's because they haven't got apostolic teaching. That's because they haven't got the apostles. And maybe some of you come from that. I don't know. I came from a situation, I said this morning, where they were so legalistic and so religious they were so narrow-minded, they looked through a keyhole with both eyes. <laughs> if you mentioned the Holy Spirit, people, <gasps> one lady told me I got baptized in the Spirit in another church, and while I was in that church, she said, oh, you'll probably get divorced now. I said, why? She said, you speak in tongues. I said, what are you talking about? That's the belief, because there's no apostolic, prophetic foundation. My brothers and sisters, we've got to be radical. That's why this church is becoming a model. How many people have joined in the last six months? 600 and something people. 600 people joined the church. I was in the church for years. One person joined. And the rest, half of them left because it was so dead. I mean, we didn't know who was alive. Somebody died in our service once. We carried out, the ambulance came. They carried out four people before they found the right guy. <laughs> There's no life. There's no <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> There's no life. God wants to have life. He comes to bring life. We laugh. We should be the happiest people on the planet. We should be happy people. Oh, poor me. Oh, oh. No, man. Bless Jesus. Always start from there. Never start from here. If you start from here, you're always going to be groveling. Woe is me. We had a guy in our church, he'd start, oh God, I'm such a worm. Not oh, I thought, oh, shut up. You saved for goodness sake. You've been born again. You, you were a worm. Now you're a child of God. Believe it. And believe that he wants to put in you the life you need in order to overcome. The Bible says Jesus has given us, it's not up there, brother, you won't find it. Everything. I looked up the Greek word for everything. It says Everything. Everything you need for life and godliness, God has given to you. You tap in. You tap into Jesus. You tap into life. You download life into your being. 32 minutes. I'm doing well. I'm nearly finished. (laughs) Whose side are they on? On that side of the. I'm going to preach to this side. You guys are. Just a few quick stories to understand. The apostle unlocks the gifts of, of, prophet, of the prophet, of the evangelist, and the pastor and the teacher. The, the, the apostolic person unlocks those gifts for the church. Pastors don't like prophets because prophets come in and find problems. And pastors have enough problems. So they avoid prophets because they don't want more problems. But prophets come in and then they prophesy and they speak and they bring, and then there's chaos and then the poor pastor has got to fix it. And the prophet's on to the next place. He's hallelujahing and the pastor's running around, oh Jesus, help me. So he doesn't want prophets. That's why you need a team of elders, a team of deacons, a team of people who lead converts. It's the apostolic way. It's the model Jesus set. Evangelists, they cause mega problems. They just want more. 
I preach my heart out. I call for that. Peel it. Nobody. Same people next week he preaches, he gets four people saved. I think, no. There was nobody unsaved when I preached. But this week, how did they get unsaved in a week? That's what the evangelist's gift is. And the apostle unlocks the gift. I told the story this morning of the evangelist and the pastor went hunting. You heard that story. Went into the mountains, got into this little cabin, and, you know, pastors love everything. Now, he got in and he opened the curtains and he dusted a little bit and he cleaned up, started unpacking the food and put the fridge on. The evangelist said, Blue, I'm going to go look for a bear. He said, we've gone bear hunting. The pastor said, Pull, you go. Fifteen minutes later, he hears this running through the bush. Open the door. The pastor looks out the window. Here he comes with a bear right here. And he's running for his life, shouting, open the door. And the pastor's now working out how I'm going to do this. Okay, what I'll do is I'll open the door. And as he comes in, I'll slam the door. And the bear will smash into the door. And he'll be outside and ready. And he's worked it out in his head. The the evangelist runs into the, and he closes. But the evangelist pulls the door open. The bear comes in skidding on 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 the floor, bashes into the side wall. The, the pastor's, <laughs> and he looks, and the evangelist's gone. He said, he said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to go fetch his friend. You look after him. <laughs> that's, why, that's why pastors don't like evangelists. They cause them trouble. They just bring fish, and the poor pastor's got to gut them, clean them, decide. And the evangelist, what's he? He's winning souls. <laughs> but that's the pattern. We need a team. That's why Jonathan's coming. What are we doing? We're organizing ourselves. So if, if you bring someone to... To, to the meeting and they get saved, guess what? You got a job. What to do? Disciple them. Now we get big evangelistic meetings, thousands get saved, they disappear. God wants it in teams because that's the way He, pr- he, he plans the church to be. Evangelistic crusades, oh, hallelujah! You got all the sound gear and tents and people, and cost thousands, and people get saved in their hordes. And after a week, they take the tent down, they disappear, and we don't know where the people went. No, it's not the pattern. It's not the pattern God wants. He wants people saved, of course. He wants evangelists to function, but they function in the life of the church. Can you say amen? amen. Pastors and teachers, poor guys. I'll just leave you. No, this thing's on. Sorry, we're on. 36, 22. Apostles are a gift from the Lord to us. They make sure churches are planted on a solid foundation. They understand. And if 1 Corinthians 3 says that, you know, Paul says, you planted, we, we didn't plant anyone else's foundation. The foundation, that's so key. In Musenberg now, they knock down an old block of flats and they're going to rebuild and they're going deeper and deeper because they, they're throwing a good foundation. And the apostles and their prophets are the foundation on which the church is built. And sometimes they say things out of it. Well, we've got to listen. God's given them a gift. Andrew's an amazing guy. But he's got a gift. It's a gift from God. You've got to remember that. That's why we devoted to the apostles' teaching, because we recognize this is a gift. He's got a gift. What's your boy's name? Asher. I want to keep you for Nathan. Bless you, Asha. I'm sorry. He's, he's got a gift. He's got a worship gift. He, well, did dad teach him? Yeah, he did. But who taught him to lead? It's a gift. Who taught this man to preach? It's a gift. But who taught you to sing? Don't get smart with me. <laughs> I could just see, the Bible says, the eyes of the lamp were your body, and I could see it was going to be clever. Everybody can sing, but not everybody can lead worship. I can play the guitar, but you don't want to hear. I think it's great, because Psalm 100 says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, and I do. But God gives gifts, and he makes sure that the gifts are built off the foundation of the apostles and prophets. They save us from taking shortcuts. You know, you just get appointed. You know how difficult it is to unappoint. You know how difficult it is. Then it causes drama and hurt and misunderstanding. Apostles understand things. They save us from making foolish decisions. 
I'm going to go and plant a church in Skilpatrick van Dorst. No, you're not. Oh, why? Because God hasn't called you. But I think he has. Let's talk about it. The apostle is talking. And they say, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that. They help us. They stop us from making foolish decisions. They keep us from trying to fit square pegs into round holes. You, brother, will be brilliant with the kids. I hate kids. No, no, but you'll get used to them. No, you, you use the gift, and they see the gift. When I came, when I came to Josh, Jane, Andrew said this, that I said, Andrew, you don't know me. He said, you'd be surprised. I've been scared of him ever since. What does he know? <laughs> but they know. It's like parents. When I was a little chap, I was 11. My brother was 15. It's four years difference. My parents, we lived on the farm. They went to town. And they drove down the driveway. And we walked into my dad's office and stole a cigarette. And we smoked the cigarette. They, they hadn't even got, I'm telling you, two miles. So they had to go to town. Takes them half an hour to get down. They shopped in town. And they come back. Four hours later. My mom gets out the car. She says to my dad, these kids have been smoking. That's what apostles are like. They know things because God has given them a gift. And they function with prophets because prophets tell the things. They say, oh, there's somebody here. And the, and the, and the, and the apostle says, I confirm that, yeah. I confirm that. It's gifts. They save us from getting worn out. You know what burnout is? If your output exceeds your input, your upkeep will be your downfall. I love those little things. A burnout is a disease of the overcommitted who refuse to come to terms with their limitations. Oh, I can do it. No, I'll do it. No, I'll do it. No, no, don't be a worry. You can't do everything. And the apostles understand. You know, in our church, guys struggled, burnt. Three months there, take a rest. Not fired. Look at that. You see it. Somebody else you. Apostles see it. Apostles see it. They keep a balanced diet for us, sound biblical doctrine. They keep us outwardly focused. They help us heal hurts that have caused divisions. They challenge us to have a prophetic vision. They build. They help us build governmentally. We must have the apostolic. We must be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Because you can see the church in the world today. There are cathedrals. Adam knows he comes from a beautiful oh, stained glass window. And when the sun shines, when it shines in England, it shines through there. And it throws a shadow and the beautiful colors from the stained glass window. And there used to be revivals in those places. And there used to be places of God. Now they're museums. We went to St. Paul's. The guy said, you probably weigh 10 pounds to go in. I said, it's a church, man. He said, yeah, well, we're struggling to maintain the building. It's beautiful. But God doesn't live there. He lives in us. So we come to this little place, and he's present. You go to some of those places, and you sit there like a lemon and listen and get so bored because it hasn't been built right. I'm not knocking it. Don't misunderstand me. But we should be grateful. That God has put us in a situation like this where God speaks to us. The life of God is brought to us. We go to, uh, to, to, uh, to gatherings. It, it's beautiful, though. You see people arrive, they love it. And as we said, my brother, your dance wasn't bad. You've got to improve the feet a bit, eh? <laughs> he's, doing, he's doing the hallelujah hustle. Still, he's still a little bit too, you know. <laughs> But you go there and you, you sense something, you feel something. You go to the conference, there's people, it's just so exciting because they're provided. Sold out two months before the event. That's ridiculous. That's why we need to be devoted to the apostolic teaching. If you haven't devoted yourself to that, ask God, ask God the Spirit to give you, to give you a passion. For that. Because otherwise, you drift in heart and you drift in mind. And you know what? It becomes like a schlep. <laughs> there we go again. October, what is it? Next month, September. Another conference. It costs me money. 
Get a life. You're not devoted. Get devoted. Because it's going to bring life. You should take my kids. I got four of them. You take four kids. Truth, you go to church, you take everything and the sink. <laughs> On this thing, sit down. Sit down. They knew. They serve God. We took them because they learned. They learned about church. They learned. We had a visiting speaker. I think he's dead today from the UK. Um, can't think of his name. My youngest, he was a little bit, and he was sitting there, and he went, put his gun on those days. Take my hanky off. And we used to play a game. See, when I blew my nose, I'd go like this. <coughs> and he loved it. He oh, wants to blow his nose. I go, he goes. <coughs> and there's 500 people, and everybody. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but they learn church because there's life. There's life. Amen. 44 minutes, 37 seconds. I've done well. Stop. No, stop. Lap. No, I'm not running laps. No, you. <laughs> I want to encourage you to remember that you're here and you could be in another situation. You could be in another situation. And it appeals to the flesh. No, no, this is about this. Will Marie used to say, we're not physical beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having an earthly experience. And the more we get to know him, the better for us. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that, what can we say, Lord? Thank you, you, you know the desire. You know exactly what is needed for your church. And we want to ask you, Lord, as, as Joshua Jenner writes, <laughs> just to, to download to us the, the blessing it is to belong. Lord, we know we're not perfect, but we thank you that you've given us apostolic voices. And we want to be devoted to their teaching because their teaching is your word, Lord. They've got a gift to unlock it for us. We, we want to thank you for the prophets who, who, who helped throw the foundation. And Lord, thank you that we've, we've been built together into this spiritual house. <laughs> United together, family, a body, a bride. It's beautiful, Lord. And you, you're at the center of it all. Thank you that you don't live in buildings. Thank you you live in us. Thank you, you promised never, ever, ever will I leave you. And never, ever, ever will I forsake you. And Lord, I know, we know that we drift. Thank you for grace that you always just bring us back. Keep reminding us, no, not there, not there. Come this way. Jesus, you are amazing. And we bless you. Thank you for the, thank you for the evangelists. Thank you for Jonathan that's coming. Lord, as you know, we must use those little forms. Help us, Lord, to genuinely ask you for that and pray for those people that we put on there and believe you that this man has got a gift from you that persuades people to turn their hearts to you. And Lord, I want to bless you for the pastors and the teachers, sometimes so often overlooked, but they do such a good job. All the pastors that, that lead congregations in Joshua generation, bless them, God. Just bless them. And the teachers too, Lord, as they teach and bring the word, we are so privileged that you've put us in a place like this. Lord, we think we could have been anywhere else. We don't want to knock anyone else, Lord, but we want to thank you for what you're doing in our midst. We pray, Jesus, be glorified and help us to be so encouraged as you work with us in us and through us for your glory. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thank you, Jeff. Yo, good word, eh? It's a good word. I saw Dimitri slip in. Dimitri, come on, man. Come here. Come here. So the, it's, it's uh, ironic that you slipped in because the one thing I didn't mention was the Bible that's starting next Saturday. So do, do you want to say anything about it? Can you keep it short, 20 minutes, half an hour? 
come to Bible school on Saturday. It's nine o'clock at Edgemead. So it's in the upstairs at the youth center. Um, if you haven't signed up, chat to Tony or Lindsay. Who's better admin? Yeah. Lindsay. <laughs> so, Pio. So, um, yeah, the Bible training, it's, we're doing the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, um, it's four classes, four months, so one Saturday, once a month. And it's, um, so those four classes, we'll do the gospel. So, this Saturday, we're looking at Matthew's gospel, and um, we compare them to cars. So, Matthew is like a Jeep, because Matthew takes you back to the old. He's the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He keeps going back all the time to show you how God answers prophecy and how Jesus is the answer to that. So he's the Jeep. Mark, he's like the Porsche. He's always quick, short gospel. You always, every, every second line is the word immediately. So he's fast. Okay, well, but we'll go on to all that stuff. And then we're looking at um, how to share your faith how to be a disciple, all those kind of things. So, yeah, awesome. Looking forward to that. And then I haven't spoken to Marvin or Patience, but I was thinking next Friday for youth, we'll do pancakes. Yeah, yeah. so you're welcome, guys, if you want to come and join us for pancakes. Um, around about six, half past five for six, we're going to do pancakes downstairs. All right, lecker. Let me close. Sure. Father God, just want to, just even as we, we talk about other things, and there's so much happening in the life of the church, Lord, and that's the beauty about the church. The church is not about a Sunday message. It's about the life of the people in the church, Lord, and, that, and it's not us without you, Lord. It's us with you, and I do pray, Lord, that tonight that the message that Jeff has shared would find a home in each and every one of us, that we wouldn't see Andrew building his empire. Andrew, I'm stealing a little bit from my message next weekend, but Andrew hasn't written books. He doesn't have channels and blogs and all these things that brings him notoriety. He's a guy that wears a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and points to Jesus. And he will do it as ferociously and as vehemently as he can because he's pointing to God, not himself. And yet God has gifted him. Look at his life. Look at the fruit of his labor. And if that doesn't show a man gifted by God, then I don't know what does. But we don't look to the man. We look at the gift. And I pray that tonight's message, Lord, would recalibrate us to go, well, Lord, if you've gifted him, then I need to make an effort to hear him, to listen to him, and even maybe give my heart to him. So, Lord, I pray if there are those of us here tonight that are struggling with that, Lord, I pray that there we, we would come before you, that they would come before you and go, Lord, can I? Can I give my heart to this man? Because you've given him. If you've gifted him, then I have no choice but to do that. And we do this willingly, Lord. We don't do this out of compulsion, as Jeff so rightly said. We don't do this because we have to, Lord. We want to be a people that does this because we want to. We want to see your kingdom built and grow and flourish and be a happy place full of happy people because, Jesus, you are King of kings and our Lord of lords. In Jesus' mighty name we ask this. Amen. Amen. Have a lekker week. There's coffee. Come and join us. If you're visiting, grab a 